Hello, and welcome to That Time We Woke Up in a Podcast and Had to Explain Manga, our heated adventures overanalyzing manga that we find interesting. My name is Sam, and this week we read Kill Six Billion Demons by Tom Parkinson Morgan, also known as Abaddon. We read book one, also titled Kill Six Billion Demons. Of course. To my fellow readers out there who are caught up with this comic, uh, I know that there's going to be some misgendering of a certain character. I did not correct my fellow hosts because that is still spoilers to them. So forgive me this violence I am about to inflict, and please enjoy the programming. And without further ado, let's begin. Greetings, I am Wax's Poetic in a sea of exceptionally well-drawn faces. Or you could just call me Jacob. My name is Sam. And Jay here. And welcome to the Over Manga Cast, where Jacob's intro should ha- should tip off that uh, this week we did something a little different. Instead of reading a manga, we read a webcomic. We read Kill Six Billion Demons. Uh, this was my suggestion, so... Uh, you already know my background with this is I read it every time it updates. I love this comic. I got into it when I first uh, got into the role-playing game Exalted, and the Exalted community loves this for reasons that are obvious. Not and- shocking. And in fact, one of my questions, Mr. Expert, which inspired which? Because like the actual content is different, but the aesthetic is identical. Exalted is older than so yeah yeah that basically answers the question yeah so i am a regular reader of this and this is also like my fourth reread so (laughs) i'm very familiar how about you jake i knew this because sam has never not recommended this to me and it's one of those things that i've always meant to get around to but never have and I knew at least a couple of the uh, like splash pages and whatnot, because those have been sent to me pretty regularly. But I didn't really know anything about it in particular uh, until I actually uh, sat down for this read through. All right. How about you, Matt? So um, Kill Six Billion Demons is a name I've been familiar with because it always pops up on like recommended list of what web comics are actually good. And when I went into this, I went in with the assumption that I had never gotten around to reading it. I realized I was mistaken because I recognized a good first third of this, leading me to believe I did start reading this and gave up within the first three chapters, which makes a lot of sense. (laughs) (laughs) This is uh, the first time I have made it to the end of book one. And how about you, Jay? Never heard about this before. First time reading, and I significantly regret that decision. Oh, come on. <laughs> well, why? It's kind of like those assigned reading assignments you would get in high school or middle school. And you're wondering why this was assigned. And as soon as you start it, you're like, OK, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm able to put together some, you know, underlying themes. And then you just kind of get. While you're trying to stick to the main plot. There's a whole lot of other extraneous things that are going on, which similarly draw you in. And for some individuals, they might enjoy that. I find it overstimulating. And I had to frequently put this down because it was just 
too much. I almost felt like I was being assaulted with plot. Yeah. And when well, I pick it up and I'm a new reader to this, I don't like that. I, I think I summarized what my experience reading this was, was um, a session of Bible study while an acid trip goes on in the background. <laughs> and I think a shonen protagonist is starting their story somewhere along the lines. Yeah, overstimulating, I think, is a very good way of describing this webcomic. Uh, because it only takes the first three pages of our main character, Allison, trying to get it on with her boyfriend, Zade, for the crazy crap to start happening when a giant man in strange metal armor with a glowing halo appears behind them. Yeah. And it, and it only goes wilder from there. I mean, that piqued my interest, but it's just like, I feel like there was just so much going on in the background that detracted from that. I found myself angry, like Allison, of like, why the hell are we talking about all this bullshit? I don't care. Like, I had to look at your outline to realize that this was actually relevant because I just found myself so angry for all this other extraneous bullshit for being explained to me. And that actually gets into uh, some of the stuff that I noted, because like... It is an exceptionally dense series, not just in terms of like the things said in the plot lines and the the like sort of intellectual content of it. It's also extremely visually dense. And while there are a lot of places where it is absolutely gorgeous, nothing in the background isn't heavily detailed, which can make it hard to figure out what you're supposed to pay attention to. Exactly. Mike, because it's like, you know, I I actually enjoyed it and I could follow it, but I could understand why someone could be turned away from this because it is just so dense. And my one critique of it is that, like, in terms of visual density, as cool as it is that all the backgrounds, if it's not a splash page, you don't have to finely detail every background character because it makes it hard to tell who is actually a character and who isn't. There's a reason why it's done the way it's done basically everywhere else. And when it comes to the like intellectual content side of it, something that I kind of wished had happened like early on, like around the time I just skipping ahead a little bit, but like around the time Allison gets into the like really trippy stuff, I kind of wish there was a character to translate so it's like you get you get the character waxing poetic and giving you the Bible study. And then you have another character who's like more experienced with the world than Allison, but also a normie thrust into this world to say, oh, here's the part you need to pay attention to. Just so that new readers don't get overwhelmed with information out, out the gate. We do, in a sense, get that. But I agree with the. I, I and I love this freaking comic, but I do agree with the criticism that it slaps you in the face way too hard at the beginning with its world. We do sort of get that, you know, that person who is a bit more down to earth uh, later on. Unfortunately, she appears after we have already gotten our first huge exposition dump in the face. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know we'll 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 get to that character, but like. I kind of wish that there was a, another human there, basically, yeah. like another human who had like slipped into that world and had been there for like nine to, you know, 15 months or something like that. Some kind of range like that where they know enough to say, oh, that's important. Pay attention to this. Pay attention to that. 
you know, but still being someone that's, um, you know, can, you know, is surprised by the craziness, you know, mm -hmm. sort of like a bridge between the, the mundane world and the crazy world, because as we said, like <laughs> the, the crazy happens almost immediately. It's sort of funny when I, when I actually, um, got to the web comic, it's a web comic, so you can, you know, you find it online. I thought I had gotten to the wrong place because the first several pages are a really, really mundane, like, like, Scene, yeah. movie. And I'm, I'm like, is this the right? Th it says kill six billion demons, but is no, this the right thing? You are in the right place. It is Allison, extremely timid college girl trying to get it on for the first time with her creeper boyfriend who's a bit too forward and then yeah, see, that's sort of interesting because her friends say that about him she says that about him too yeah but from the uh, scene the only scene the we get to see zane scene we he's see. not being weird yeah it's yeah. like I, it's it's the situation where when her friends start saying it later too it's sort it like it's sort of like a retroactively informed character trait it kind of makes me interested to see what their relationship was actually like because her friends don't exactly seem like the best people either. Yeah, well, we'll we'll talk about her friends when we get to after so much craziness <laughs> after after the acid trip, because as I alluded, they are they are uh, in bed for three pages before a man in weird armor bleeding from multiple wounds appears behind them, holds up a shiny thing, says king and then the wall explodes and the man in the armor gets instantly beheaded by a whole bunch of shiny people riding on weird dog monsters i've also seen that van <laughs> yes. it does yes. look like something that would be on the side of a van <laughs> now that you say it <laughs> it is and like this is obviously the intention because like you're supposed to be in Allison's shoes of like, you know, what the bleep is going on here? I am so confused. It's very disorienting. And this is and like, you know, like. It's when it's doing that with intention, it's really good. Um, it's just. It, it asks for a lot of investment. <laughs> and I mean, like, I'm invested, but. You know, it's one of those ones where if you do start reading and you're like, this is way too dense, it's not for me. It probably isn't for you. Yeah. But and, and another thing, I think the fact that it's a webcomic probably adds to its benefit because the average reader is not expected to read the entirety of book one in one week. Hmm. They're expected hmm. to get one page updated weekly. every now and again. Yeah. Um, weekly, sometimes, sometimes biweekly. It all depends. So in that case, I can see why they would prefer if you're getting one page a week, you want that to be a dense page. Yeah, they need to hook you really hard. So actually, that's sort of interesting. That's the case where um, because of the unique aspect of the webcomic medium, the reason it's so front loaded is because when there was only a couple of pages of Kill Six Billion Demons, it needed to hook you like that. Yeah, and we well, get this and we get the hook of Zade being snatched up by these uh, these spiky men and riding off into the void and uh, the headless body shoving the weird glowy thing into Allison's forehead. Yep. 
uh, it's a shame that this is a visual or that this is an audio medium because the art in this comic is out of this freaking world. I love it. The, and the, only, the it, splash page of the key being shoved into Allison's head is. It, it's sort of funny because like going back to something I mentioned before, the only complaint I could possibly make about the art is that at times it's too good because uh-huh. it's too detailed, which I mean, that's sort of a that's sort of a compliment onto itself. But this is the beginning of Allison's adventure as uh, the power of the artifact inserted into her head shunts her into the void between worlds only to crash down in the red city of throne which is the spoke at the center of the multiverse and basically heaven well it used to be it did it did used to be (laughs) it's not that anymore and allison arrives sees the wide variety of crazy designs I don't even know what to describe most of these things. There's a guy whose head is um, two pillars with a black ball in between them. I don't know. What would you even call that? And Allison, quite naturally, it, uh, freaks the hell out at, uh, awaken, at awakening in this place. At which point we get an abrupt perspective change. Yeah, uh, we we switch over to... A character who's got an exalted character name. Yeah, eighty-two white, uh, eighty-two white chain, born in emptiness, returns to subdue. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Even the exalted player can't get through all of it. I don't know white chain's entire name. I'm sorry, but they're white chain. That is their name, and they are an angel. And um, this is actually specifically the character I wish there was a translator for, because. Again, the situation where like reading it all in a week is, you know, a bit rough. Like, he does not skip any deep. Like he's the uh, the one, you know, quoting Bible verses at you. Sometimes literally. And just having someone to say, OK, those three paragraphs, let me highlight the sentences that you care about for you. And like almost almost in the sense of. You have Allison, who is freaking out, who is rightly and understandably freaking out at all the weirdness. You have a ab, an object of the weirdness who is, you know, persecuting some of the weirdness over here, trying to explain the situation. Having someone to like, even like, like even just having the character be like a, a not just like a, a a highlighter, but specifically a comic relief character to point out that, yes, this is as absurd as it looks, you know. Just sort of to to ground it in a sort of more understandable perspective. That would have helped immensely, Jacob. Um, That's what I was looking for this entire time, and possibly if I had that, I probably would have retained more about what was shouted at me because there was just so much to to filter. And I honestly can, it's, this is my own doing. I just could not process everything that was set, was thrown at me. And at that point, I was so angry to get through it that I just, it just seemed like nonsense to me. And I was like, there were times I was like completely. You start skimming. Skimming, skimming yeah. getting rid of the dialogue. Cause I'm like, this shit doesn't make any sense. No one's explaining anything. It was very much a rage read for me. Yeah, I'm. I don't know, because I, I understand why 
it was written the way it is. It's because you're on Allison's side and you are thrown into this weird world where the only person who is talking to you is someone who is quoting scripture at you and never really answering any of your questions. Like in dialogue, yes, her questions will be answered, but it's very much no, you're coming with me. I know better than you. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't address the content of her question. She's being treated like a child the mm-hmm. entire time she's here. And that gives great catharsis to me when I got to the part where Allison was fed up with it, because uh-huh. I was also fed up with it by the time <laughs> this was going on, because so much of chapter two, I think chapter two is entirely just 83 chains or 82 chains monologuing. Yeah. Just explaining the the history of this particular multiverse. Explaining, though, is weird because explicitly when Allison then goes, huh, I've got a qualifying question about what you just explained. And she's like, well, it's all relative and you can't really define what I just said. What? (laughs) That's just a story. It's the best story we have about how the universe works. White Chain is an angel, making them a peacekeeper. Not a lawman, a peacekeeper. Very important difference. Uh, Currently in the midst of dealing with a crime boss, uh, Prem Vosh, the the, uh, whoremonger. Mm -hmm. And we do have a very delightful exchange. I do like Prem Vosh. He's a very... (laughs) He's a very fun to hate villain because he's just this snobby little gremlin. See, that's sort of the, that's sort of the problem that I mentioned with um, the background characters being so dense, because I remember Prem Vosh, but like there's so many characters that are like that. It's hard to because, um, you know, the the three of us who've only got, gotten as far as as the first book. We don't know he comes back. I think I, I referenced that on the Twitter. I posted my favorite character from this section, and I'm just like, I have no idea if this person's anything other than set dressing, <laughs> but oh, I yeah, like him. Ing- oh, yeah, Ingsveld? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the man whose head is a book. Yeah, it was pretty cool. He's also uh, the, Habit- the Haberdashers Guild. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Ingsveld does come back. Oh, just good. So you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, Prem Vosh is just this delightful to hate little gremlin um, who has this wonderful exchange with White Chain. It's like, first you walk in here and then you bust up my favorite guard. He was attempting to kill me. It was highly unwise. His brother will be furious. You ordered him to kill me. An old man gets nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Now, do you take bribes? <laughs> just cutting straight to the chase on that. I'm just a legitimate businessman. I know for a fact you're not. Well, then do you take bribes? <laughs> and Allison, in the midst of her freakout, has lost her balance and fell down some stairs, plummets into the scene, giving White Chain the opportunity to speak their prayer of forgiveness for the violence that they are about to inflict and just goes full, full Bruce Lee on all of Vasha's minions. I think she even... Again, it's it, it's hard to notice the finer details, but I think she even actually ends up uh, saving him from an ambush. Like he uh, he he mentions that like he hadn't noticed the, the guy coming up behind him, uh, and you know Allison like slams into them, and that's when he turns around and okay, we're fighting now. Yeah, 
Me, I mean, knowing the power of an angel, even an ambush would be very difficult to actually put an angel down that quickly. But yeah. the liturgy, which is the bits of setting detail at the bottom of every page. And uh, Matt, I know you got the physical version. I don't know how much of the liturgy is on there. Absolutely none. So I assumed okay. it wasn't crucial, but apparently okay. it is. It's also, not, it's actually, it's, eh, it, for Sam. like, Feel free to cut this, but I also want to make this known. I do not recommend buying the physical copy of this Oof. because it does not include the liturgy at the end of every page. It does not include a lots of things. And also, this is a very bright and vibrant comic. The print quality on this. Ooh. I had to double check some scenes on the website because like these big open scenes with like all these like intricate color details just gets washed out in the printed ah, version. Ouch. Ooh. That sucks. So uh pirate it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Sam, cut it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh where were we? Yeah, uh one of the liturgy basically describes angels as nuclear explosions inside granite shells. So <laughs> fighting one of them is a bad idea. But that didn't stop the stupid criminals. Yeah, that is that is one of the things that does uh, in what we read get made abundantly clear later. Uh, so Allison passes out because who wouldn't at this point? Yeah. And awakens to White Chain, who has recognized the thing shoved in her forehead. Uh, he calls it the Magnus Gate, otherwise known as one of the Keys of Kings, which... Leads White Chain to believe that Allison is this mega badass that can crack planets in half. She doesn't. She has no idea what this is. As far as she's aware, it's a nightlight in her forehead. Mm -hmm. Which the audience is very much in the same position of. <laughs> I like the I like the uh, the comment that uh, he makes about like uh, I am sure your uh, power is far greater than mine, but I will still attempt to kick your ass. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> White Chain is super adversarial, thinking that Allison is this godling <laughs> but she just she just wants to know what's going on she puts it quite succinctly i'm exhausted my face is on fire i'm pretty sure you've seen me naked you're a person made of stone and who's lecturing me in a different language which i somehow understand what the beep is going on at which point she tries to throw a uh, coffee pot at him am i dead perhaps we will just take the coffee <laughs> <laughs> Which does lead into our first glorious splash page of Throne, the Red City. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, this is where it just goes full on exposition. I do understand. <laughs> I feel for you guys. When I first read this, I was just as freaking confused. I continued to go along with it because it is my jam in that regard. But this is the kind of the part where it either makes or breaks for some people. Well, I think it's good that they did that early, though, because just from the fact that there are entire Bible verses for every page of this written out, this is clearly a series written for people who love dense lore. Mm -hmm. And you want people to know, hey, my series has some dense lore right up front. You don't surprise people with that. Yeah, because you, you get people invested in a, a group of characters and then it's like, well, here's here's the uh, other required reading. Mm -hmm. That's going to you know that's going to tick some people off so yeah and the thing is i could follow like the cosmology of it i was trying to like read it very closely and be like okay let me 
you know, make note of every single detail. It very quickly got to the point where I realized that's a terrible, terrible idea. Yeah, I skim it. And it's if you skim it. You can follow everything. And again, like having having a character who's like that skimming, like like to skim it for you, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Jacob, I was in the exact same boat where I was reading this like very detailed and I got through all of like Yushin's um, several different forms that committed uh, divine suicide and split into two parts that mated for seven days and birth or seven hours and birthed all the godlings. And fought for seven years, yes. Yeah, yeah. And like, I, I got to the end of that, and then I got to um, eighty uh, eighty two white chains thing. Uh, Allison asks, "Wow, was that important?" Eighty two white chains, maybe. And I was just <laughs> like, "Oh, cool. The story doesn't care that deeply about its deep lore." So I'm God, gonna... so God is real. Yeah, probably. And I mean, that is kind of the point one of the big themes of this comic is um well well one of yi sun's uh lessons is um let there be no genesis for i hate beginnings and i am a consummate liar uh there is no definitive ultimate truth because the idea is supposed to be that each perspective is its own truth and each one is just as important Again, that's something that you got to do quite a bit of deep reading to get to. <laughs> yeah, that's not something that came across in what we had read. Nope. But the the idea is uh, there was the first god or the first being, Yisun, who knew everything and had no one to talk to, which was super boring. So they split themselves in two. Uh, one being that was everything that was and the other that was everything that wasn't. And they were both so repulsed by each other. They fought and then they boned and they made 777,777 more gods through this. That made e sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Each of those gods hung out for a while, then stood in a big circle, pointed out into the void and said, let there be something that way. And that's how we got the multitude of the universe. And mm -hmm. then all those gods died. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's the extent of the lore that I got. I'm like, OK, OK. Yep. And then after that, I just kind of like fell off. And I'm just like, I'm done caring so, about this. And <laughs> OK, so I could I followed it through the end conclusion of that, as is my understanding. And lore master over there can correct me if I'm wrong about something. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> when, you know, the, the single being started splitting itself into uh you know pieces it was no longer everything and that made it finite um and so that's you know how the gods die and eventually in these you know seven hundred thousand some odd it's seven is an arc number obviously um universes you know the the mortals of those universes grew powerful enough to like find the realm of the gods uh seeking to meet their gods but there was nothing because the gods and were already had already died by that point. And mortals do what mortals do in that case. Free real estate. Mm -hmm. um, so they became the new they became the new gods. And but they are finite as well. And uh, and also uh, being mortals, they wanted things and want became greed. And they started killing each other over stuff. <laughs> and then and bad things happened. Yep, well, that's how we got the seven demiurges. Because they're at the center of the multi, right? Yeah, yeah they're at the center of the multiverse. 
But is that explaining why Throne has become so bad? Because I thought that was because they were receiving all of the resources from all of the different multiverses. Were it's part of why Throne became so bad. Because y'all remember from the Yu-Gi-Oh episode how we said that Domino City is the worst place ever to live. Throne is that times like a million. Yeah. Um. The reason Throne is such a crap pile to live in is because the Demiurges stopped ruling with wisdom and they ruled with power instead. And all they wanted was to just have more. They didn't really care about controlling it. They just wanted more. And so the divine order was allowed to dissolve and it's just become this chaotic crime ridden mess. Because nobody's actually in charge. Yeah. And even the angels are like... This is we we can't. we can't we can't do anything about this because nobody is paying attention and only a few rules following nerds like white chain actually still care about it. And the other thing that is something that I picked up on that I think is important relative to this throne was originally heaven. Now, most people call it hell because. You know, beings from the void that, you know, mm. do bad nonsense. The devils, yes. Yeah, the demons um, have been moving in because nobody's been um, kicking them out. And like, you know, demons make deals with mortals to grow more powerful. And they've mm -hmm. basically taken up residence because the people who should be in charge, most of the people who should be in charge ended up killing each other. We've only got a couple left and they don't get along anyway. It's basically just an armistice because they knew uh, no one was going to win if they... Uh, fought it out to the end and that's the reason why throne is so terrible yeah that portion of it gets explained when we meet our next character who jacob she should be your favorite character c-o-c-a-c-o-l-a what uh the the little blue one blue yeah the, the little blue devil c-o-c-a-c-o-l-a if you say her name properly a magical name appears what <laughs> c-o-c-a-c-o-l-a her name is a phonetic spelling of Coca-Cola. Wow. <laughs> That's why she's a devil. Blue devils are the weakest. Yes, uh, because White Chain eventually realizes, wait a minute, this girl did not get this key on purpose. She somehow lucked into this. And these keys is the right word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These keys are what make the Demiurges such tremendous badasses because each of them is a fragment of the song of creation. And basically it's a portion of the power of the original God. And there are seven of these keys possessed by each one of the Demiurges. And that's why there's a balance of power. And White Chain is of the, White Chain thinks that, wait, if one of the keys is here, that means one of the Demiurges doesn't have them. And the other six are going to start uh, getting rowdy in this point and we're going to have another multiversal war and everything's going to die. This is bad. We need to figure out which one of the, Dem of the Demiurges lost their key and go give it back. What White Chain doesn't know is that this is the master key and it's actually the eighth one. <laughs> I don't think we knew that. I don't think we knew that. Nope. It, it well, I mean, it's implied because Allison has the key that, Z that uh, Zoss gave her. He's the okay. Dude. He's the dude. He's the dude in the armor. And then we see the concordance of the seven demiurges. Oh, I didn't realize guy who personally sat on the throne of creation wasn't one of the demiurges. Right. But yeah, that that actually does make sense with what when I think it's when she's leaving 
she speaks with like his spirit. Mm -hmm. But again, that's the case where it's like. Yeah, Zoss has a tendency to just show up towards the end of one of the books and <laughs> out some nonsense. And I love him. He's great. <laughs> He shows he shows up to say something vaguely inspirational and critical to the like lore of the universe, and then leaves again. <laughs> and I love him. But that's that's after we talk to Coca Cola, who uh -huh. now that I know her name, amazing. But yes. um, <laughs> she she was my favorite character because she popped in and was almost what Jacob was talking about earlier. Someone who explains what's necessary because. She, at the very least, doesn't care about a lot of things. Yeah. And just wants to answer people's questions and is taking pity on Allison because she's like, wow, you've gotten yourself into some trouble. And that angel is not listening to anything you say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, we meet we meet Sio when the uh, at Hell 72, which is a slaver's guild inside one of the corpses of the dead gods. Uh, because, because like most of the city is made up of the the bodies of the dead gods. Yeah. Uh, it's run by Prem Nand, a gold devil, which means he is a real hardcore SOB. And he is the head of the slave guild. White Chain promises to give over Allison as a slave in exchange for meeting with Nand's secretary at at which point we kind of learned that Nand, that Nand must be kind of an idiot because uh, White Chain's vessel cracks. Uh, angels can lie, but if they do, they suffer physical damage. So when uh, White Chain made that promise that he was clearly not paying enough attention to notice that the vessel cracked or didn't know that about angels. Mm -hmm. So Nand uh, sends them to meet Sio uh, with a couple of the creepy mannequin things. Yeah, the mannequin de the mannequin devils that White Chain promptly <laughs> blasts the hell out of. The mannequin devils that are wrapped in human skin. <laughs> yeah. It's real. the only other time humans are mentioned by species. And it's mm. these two bodies are wrapped well, no. in human skin. Well, no, we also get a mention of a human because one of the people in Hell 72 is... Uh, is a human woman sitting there eating some noodles. Oh, I didn't, I did not even know she was human. Uh, Allison as much says so goes up to her and is like, wait a minute, you're human too. And uh, this lady, uh, Maya topple, uh, Maya topple the gods and or murder the gods and topple their we, thrones. That's her last name. We definitely did not get her name or at the very least I didn't retain it if we did. Or I didn't recognize that was a name for a human being, which is a that's, much more fair. Yes. yes. That's also possible. She is Auntie Maya. That is all you need to know. Gotcha. I think the name uh, Auntie Maya did come up. Yes, it yeah. did. She turns to Allison and she goes, tell me, girl, what do you think of death? And Allison's like, what? And then just gets dragged away by White Chain. <laughs> so we never get an answer to that. And then Maya's just like, huh, whatever, and goes back to eating her noodles. That's actually an excellent example of the issue with having all of the characters in the backgrounds be detailed, because I never would have guessed that that was a major character. She just seems like she's there as like part of the the uh, flavor of the locale. Yeah, because Hell 72 is where we get another one of those big splash pages. Yeah, like nothing about how she appeared in the story made her seem any more important than the seven people who died immediately when the ballroom blitz happens shortly after <laughs> the scene we're talking about. Yeah, I get like the only indication that she is 
in any way more important than the characters that die is that she killed some of them. <laughs> well, we'll get to the ballroom blitz in a minute because we meet with Sio. And which this is actually something I want to mention about Sio because this is the character I mentioned later that there she does function similar in that role but my problem with her in that role because like her attitude is exactly what i'd want in the explanation character for lack of a better way of putting it she does but, at one point just cut off white chain going barring yeah yep. <laughs> um so like the attitude is exactly what i'd want in that character but the problem is she has a vocal tick which means it can be sometimes hard to understand what the hell she's saying too which just compounds the problem she talks in the black speech, yeah. <laughs> the blasted, poxily, vacuous, scaperly horson. I do like that they have translations. <laughs> like, like that's no. <laughs> <laughs> like that, I enjoyed very much. Like the, yeah. like the. Uh, My favorite coism to use is to call uh, stupid people the wobble brains. <laughs> um, yeah, co being a devil is concerned only with power and gaining more power for herself. At least that's how she appears starting off early, because the only part of the story of the universe she's concerned about is the demiurge is going on a multiversal war to claim territory and myrtleize the crap out of one another mm -hmm. that is and like she is one of the most like because like it really just from the perspective of what we read and not knowing what comes forward there really only seemed to be three meaningful characters white chain allison and Co. and Co stands out so much because she does have that sort of like, like the immediate impression you get is that, oh, this is just some, you know, random demon. But she immediately takes pity on Allison for her situation. And you kind of get the impression it's because Sio's kind of in the same position she is. It's just Sio, like, you know, born and raised in this world, has some idea of what the hell's going on. Mm -hmm. And like mm -hmm. I said, she's a blue mask devil, which means she's the weakest of them. But, like, the idea that she's been dragged along through all of this shenaniganery as well, like, she understands the position Allison is in. You're closer than you think. <laughs> yeah, Sio, uh, like, all joking aside, Sio is absolutely my favorite character in the comic to this day. So mm. she's cool. a lot of fun. Uh, but, yeah, as Matt mentioned, there is the ballroom blitz as great violence is unleashed. Because Prem Vosh uh, decided that he wanted uh, Allison and shows up with another angel. I don't, I don't even try to remember this angel's name. All I know is that they go by Delicious. Nice. I didn't even get that much. <laughs> that's, the pink, that's the pink one. I, I, I would have referred to them as the pink one. <laughs> yeah, they've got the, the cool like uh, feather boa around their collar that I thought was a really good design choice. Yeah, we get introduced to this character by... White Chains is in the middle of one of his sermons when suddenly there is a hole in his face and there's uh -huh. a needle sticking through it and he mm -hmm. just kind of stops. Well, Co is kind of boned at this point because she cannot fight off an angel. And so Allison just kind of gets picked up and dragged away. Mm hmm. And it's at this she's, point that we know treated as a per because it's like, you know, talking about like things in relative like human as a species. She's not treated as a person. Mm -hmm. Well, no, she's treated as flesh. Yeah, I was about to say they're in they're in a district that trades flesh as a commodity. Like when she first when she first arrived, they were talking about like 
if she was here for like a drop off or something. That was something that was kind of glossed over of like, this is a flesh trading city. And constantly there are people who are like looking at her, like wondering, does she belong to someone or is she up for sale? Hey, Angel, are you selling that one? No. You know, like the thing is, White Chain doesn't really treat her like a person either. Yeah. You know, you know, for all of his waxing poetic about. Yeah. And like, to be fair, he doesn't it. He's he's not saying like he, like he doesn't frame himself as the good guy or anything like that, but like you know the sort of like cold and calculating approach to these are the rules and I shall enforce them onto violence. So he doesn't really treat her like a person either. I don't think they frame themselves as the good guy for like any. I I don't think they ever say the words I am like a bastion yeah. of holiness. I think how they frame everything they speak about though. That's the obvious conclusion that they think of themselves like that. Yeah. White Chain is here to keep the peace, and they see that as the righteous order of the universe. So it's a humble brag, really. It's, yeah. oh, I'm so good. I don't even mention it. Also, listen to me, insolent girl. You don't know what you're doing. I know best. There is a constant theme of I know best to the detriment of treating her like a person, which mm -hmm. is why what happens in the ballroom blitz is so cathartic. Yeah, <laughs> because all of the other guilds have learned about this girl with something cool in her forehead. They're not exactly sure what, but they know that it's something cool and they really want it. I thought the, I thought the little uh, oh, thing did actually say what it was. Yeah, there's oh, the little oh, demon they find on the bus. Yeah, well, they all sh uh, all the guilds show up and that's when uh, number one, the red mask devil. I did have to find his name as well because he only shows up for this. Uh, <laughs> See, that's the thing. He could have been a character. I thought he was going to come back. <laughs> uh, but yes, number one is like a key. She has a vast, a girl has a key in her forehead, a key of kings. And all the guilds immediately go, oh, oh we were just trying to, we were just that. here to get like a new slave. Key of kings? Hell yeah. And that's when we get the bit that Matt talked about earlier with the the slew of characters showing up ready to uh, beat ass, take names and take the key. We literally get like introduction panels of three characters who then when the fight starts are immediately one shot. <laughs> and like one of the things I like and like, again, this is the case where it's like, wow, the art is so good. I love the splash page. And I actually seen this before because there's a character like there's an old man with like a concerned look on his face that like I love that. <laughs> it's like it's so like it's so fun to meme with that. My fun, my favorite is the giant golden baby. But like, there's a bunch of like insert shots of all these characters looking at like two of the combatants about to stand off. You can find where they actually are in the crowd and they're as detailed in the smaller, you know, in the, in the smaller like, scale smaller, zoom out yeah. shot. Yeah. Um, they're just as detailed as the insert shot. And like, yes, go crazy on the art there maybe don't have number one be as like crazy detailed as he is. <laughs> you need to know he has three packs of smokes taped to him at all times. Yes. Each intricately detailed with a different brand. That's important. <laughs> but uh, glorious violence does erupt in Hell 72 as everyone wants Allison. And she is kind of lost in the scrum at this point and just finds a sword and picks it up and she she doesn't know what the hell she's doing at which point we get my favorite running gag in the comic uh co i 
I can't believe I'm helping you right now. <laughs> Riding out of the sky on White Chain's deactivated shell to crash into the fight and save Allison. Though one interesting detail that I took note of that um, just because it comes up by the time we're, you know, at the end of what we read. One interesting detail I liked, she picks up a Zweihander. Mm -hmm. And like, this isn't some like toy or something. It's a literal actual Zweihander. Mm -hmm. Those things are insanely heavy. And she picks it up and she's holding it. And like, she doesn't know how to hold it. She doesn't know how to hold a sword. She's some college girl who has no idea what's going on but she picks it up and she's holding it like it's nothing and she her, even notes that like wait how am i doing that yeah her splash pan in the big splash panel where everyone has a little introduction thing she is allison w ruth barista <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's part of the power of the key it gives her basically charles atlas superpower and she can just heft up that sword no problem yeah. even though she has no idea how Sio's uh, like, all right, I'll hold them off. You pluck the needle out of the angel's head and the angel will actually get us out of here. And can I just say, I loved Sio's uh, whole um, rhyming couplet combined with using paper dolls mm -hmm. uh, power. I just <laughs> love that anytime it shows up in fiction. And I thought it was really good here. <laughs> My paper soldiers form a wall five paces thick and twice as tall. Mm hmm. And if you pay close attention on the next panel, Sio uh, actually like plucks those words out of her speech bubble and like sews them into the paper dolls to make them come to life. Mm -hmm. OK, I didn't notice that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's a really cool like five panels, because at the end of that, she's also after summoning all of these things in her former employer's home is just going, by the way, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, I can I can relate, though, because have you ever like gone in and given that letter of resignation? <laughs> she just got to do it with magic paper dolls. Yeah, <laughs> feels great. But the best part is uh, Allison, like, is a little squeamish about plucking out the needle. Co starts berating her about it for being for being such a little weakling. And then, you know what? It. And she pulls out the needle. White chain immediately stands up, sees the chaos, goes, what? did you do <laughs> i was gone for five minutes and like you can kind of it's sort of the interesting thing because it was at that point where co started saying stuff like that that i noticed allison hasn't done anything she's just kind of there yeah and it's sort of the point where like and like this was obviously done with intentionality so it's not like the author just realized but like mm -hmm. co realized it Suddenly, Allison's realized it. Suddenly, all the other characters have realized that she's, you know, she's not a set piece. She's not a bag of money. Which, and which was a bit of a shock for me because I'm used to the current state of, and not even not even just the current state, but like the next book after this, where Allison is a much more active protagonist. I was going to say this is very much this doesn't feel like book one. It feels like a prologue. Yeah, because it really does feel like the story starts where Allison makes the decision to go back, which we'll get into in a bit. But like, it's also the situation where you can totally understand where Allison's coming from, because like, how can you possibly be prepared for this level of insanity? So you really feel for you know the position her, that yeah. she's in like this was the turning point for me honestly was this scene where um 82 uh 82 wakes up 
and is she immediately blames everyone else for what went on. They yell at Allison, uh, tell Allison to just get in line, and Allison just goes, wait, no. no. <laughs> um, <laughs> first of all, I have a name, uh-huh. Tommy Girl, and I'm not going with you. I and have a fucking name. <laughs> she's hefting up the sword like she's really about to fight White Chain, which, I mean... Good it's on you, kid. <laughs> Conveniently, White Chain immediately gets bombarded by um, the other angel, the pink one. Joker. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> they engage in a sick ass kung fu fight. And Sio's like, OK, yep, nope, this is the part where we go. <laughs> and like, it's sort of interesting because this is another, another case where Allison's getting pulled along. But like. It's what she wants. Someone actually listened to her at this point, you know? Like, mm-hmm. CO is so... I, I shouldn't say immediately endearing, but CO is so endearing at this point because she's the only one who ha- has listened to a word that Allison has said up to this point, you know? And she's, and she's actually trying to help Allison. She, mm-hmm. She's a weird pseudo-mentor character. Yeah, and, um, you know, this this sort of goes into what I was saying about, like, um co shows herself as a as not just another you know demon because you know she is showing genuine empathy here she she very obviously feels for the ridiculous situation that allison has gotten herself into and is just gonna do her a solid because you know yeah let's go she needs the help and it's a good thing that they left when they did because uh delicious and white chain fight each other to a standstill and Prem Nand comes in and says, not in my house and shoots eye lasers and breath weapon over the entire battlefield, burning people away, killing all those main characters we got yep. introduced into in Splash Pass. <laughs> Actually, um, if, if you do note, a lot of the ones that we were introduced to did survive and they do come back later because uh, it kind of becomes a running thing of the the bunch of mooks in hell 72 that wanted to get allison and get the key don't give up on that oh nice so they're <laughs> team rocket they they become known as the followers because they or because... Uh, or as auntie maya calls them the parade of fools <laughs> <laughs> see i what i thought you were going to say is that um uh it's a running gag and kill six billion demons where they introduce like 15 characters and about five of them die like right after they're introduced and so it's like pick out the actual main character i mean that too abaddon is on record <laughs> saying i think my webcomic holds the record of the most uniquely designed characters to die one panel later <laughs> i believe it and it's at this point that we also learn that auntie maya is important because uh the chaos has settled down uh she had apparently been protecting the noodle vendor and just you know sitting there eating her noodles and because nobody was paying attention she ate everything else as well because she's a mendicant knight she's a beggar she's going to take what she can get and uh she does offer to pay in a proverb if you happen to find god on the road kill him she uh stands up thanks the noodle vendor for the noodles walks away the noodle vendor scratches his head looks around and notices there is a perfectly clean space about a five foot radius around her and a whole bunch of score marks in the ground and bisected bodies. There is a there is a perfect circle of nothing happened except everybody else got up and left. 
and then carnage on the edge of that circle. So I don't think I picked up on that being anything to do with her. Yeah, no. She did that. <laughs> it just looked like the noodle vendor then went out to look at all the dead bodies in front of his stall. It was like, oh, man. <laughs> you know, you do not fuck with Auntie Maya Tenmedi. Murder the gods and topple their thrones. But um, I think we skipped over uh, what happened to Coco and um, uh, Allison. Uh, Coke, uh, Coca-Cola that right there mm. revealed that not only is the key in Allison's head a powerful weapon, it also is a key to the warp gates, basically, that allow you to transport uh, instantly across the multiverse, which uh, they reactivate one. And Allison is kicked in before she is even fully explained what's going on. And um, you see, it just shoves her off a ledge and Allison tumbles out of sight going, well, wait, this will send me home. But what about my boyfriend? <laughs> boyfriend? Yeah. See, so, wait, what boyfriend? <laughs> I love how disgusted Sio looks at that, too. <laughs> uh, a straight. <laughs> a straight in my webcomic? <laughs> things explored later <laughs> okay so like the the other thing is like the her getting there was an acid trip of like her stepping not not metaphorically her literally stepping out of her skin and being like this shadow thing mm -hmm. this is the part where she speaks with the previous holder of the of the key thing right yeah of the key well actually hold on uh question um i'm pretty sure i know the answer to this for jay but uh did you guys happen to read the little three, the three page short story that came between Allison leaving and the next part? For me, this is sort of funny. I was running out of time for reading the whole thing. All right. And I saw that I saw the first image. I'm like, OK, it's just an in between like cover page. Went to the next one. Wait, this is the same. Went to the third one, scrolled down and saw there was this wall of text. And the thing is, I'm a really slow reader. I always have sure. been. I had an eye problem when I was younger. And I'm like, if I try, I'm <laughs> never finishing this. And I want to finish a this. So, yeah. Sam, I just checked mine. Uh, my physical copy does not have it. Darn it. Azma <laughs> and the Three Masters and the Lessons She Failed to Learn is my favorite of the side stories. Because it's about this horrible little gremlin <laughs> running around pissing in Cheerios. <laughs> It's I've great. got a I've got a sword manual. That's cool, right? <laughs> oh yeah, Medi's sword manual. Didn't read it, but it's there. <laughs> I, me, uh, I love the first precept in in Medi's sword manual, which which is uh, she just uh, she tells you to do a whole bunch of wax on wax off stuff, and by the end, it's like, and by this point, you should have built a house, know how to care for it, and feed yourself, and you don't need to learn the sword because it is an ugly tool fit only for separating men from their vital fluids. I think I actually read the last one. And its adherents are idiots, which is something to say because Medi is unambiguously the most powerful sword uh, sword wielder in the entire canon. <laughs> that includes the mythology. Oh wow! She she fought ten thousand men buck naked and won. Yeah, as you do. But that is that is all background material. It is at this point, yes, Jake, as you said, that uh, Allison returns to the void where she and Zoss. Uh, have a conversation. Zoss being the original conquering king, the one who kicked in the door of heaven was like, hey, God, what's up? Oh, God's dead. Well, I'm God now. Fine. This is my house. That was another case where it's like, 
I go, oh, okay, now I get what's going on. Because this is before we're we're introduced to the seven demiurges, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I sort of picked up on what was going on at that point um, between that and like the demiurge scene confirmed it where it's like, oh, they're fighting over, you know, the top spot. And Allison is this guy's last play to keep everything from turning yes. back into disaster. She is his successor. Yes. Yeah. And of course, she gets an exalted name, too. He names her Alice. Kill six billion demons. That's not a quest. That's not something you need to do. That is her name. That is your name. And like my my thought is like, well, OK, this name is definitely going to be prophetic, but that's going to be interesting to see how that works out, because they explicitly state that it's like five hundred and eighty million souls inhabit um, throne. the throne and then there's so the rest like, of the multiverse so it's like you're gonna kill six you know it's it's one of those ones where it's like okay your name is probably gonna be prophetic but like it, how fast do do we make new demons for that to happen because not everything in throne is demons i mean seeing how quickly background characters are just eviscerated in this probably <laughs> pretty soon yeah <laughs> also fun note here um un is a it can be either a prefix or a suffix, but it's usually part of the name of a god. And so fellow gods will leave the un off as a sign of peerage. Uh, Zoss sees Alice un. And so he just leaves off the un and that's why he oh, calls her Alice. That's really clever. I like that. That was not in the part we read, but I like that. Her name can also be read as Al Yis un, which, you know, I thought was fun. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Sounds like if I'd done the reading for all the lore, that would have been really <laughs> rewarding. But uh, I didn't. <laughs> but yeah, they're sitting in the void. Uh, Alice is uh, Allison is like, dude, this is all your fault. What the hell did you even do? I chose you as my successor. You're going to slay the seven headed beast and correct my mistakes. Um, okay. She's like, why am I going to do that? I don't know. Fate said so. You're about as convincing as all the other idiots. Yeah. Can I go home now? Well, it is it at this point that we get the concordance of the demiurges where the seven meet. Not all seven of them are there, but we do see most of them for the first time. And only uh, one of them show up. Only one doesn't show up, right? Because there were there were five of them. And then two of them sent um, like attendants instead of themselves. Yeah, Uh, the ones that are there. Uh, Incubus, Mammon, and Jagannath didn't show up. Uh, Incubus and Mammon sent their own, sent like attendants in their stead. Jagannath just isn't there at all. Gotcha. The ones that are there were Modem, Jadis, Solomon David, and your pal Gagagog. Gagagog is the worm lady. Oh, good. Ah, okay. The one Uh, whose face kept shifting and changing modem is the tiny old wrinkly lady in the big orange clothes solomon david is the huge dude with the beard and jadis is the one in the cube so i know we keep bringing this up but i think this was also i fell victim to all the characters are incredibly detailed that's probably why i mm-hmm. thought only one of the characters was uh, was uh a sovereign. and the because they'd been complaining about why did someone send attendance? I just assumed the rest of them sent attendance because the rest yeah. of them look very normal compared to the one big guy. The narrative utility of this scene is allow us to introduce all of your shonen antagonists. Yep. For uh-huh. the series. 
And the neat thing is we don't uh, – each of them, you know, it's seven. Seven's an arc number. They're specifically s- described as these evil emperors. Of course, each one of them is a, is one of the deadly sins. But we do see uh, bits and pieces of, of it, even though it's not really made apparent. Like, uh, Modem is constantly eating. So, mm-hmm. Jadis is literally frozen in a cube and can't do much. So, the guy, <laughs> The guy who comes up – the guy who comes late is definitely Wrath because he's he is a thirty foot tall. He he is he is walking angry. Yes, he is walking angry. And that's no. sort of that's sort of interesting because like the instant that you mentioned that I didn't make the connection to seven evil emperors, seven deadly sins. I didn't make that connection, but the instant you did, I started. You know, because it's like there's the there's the incubus that's obviously lost. Mm-hmm. Like, it it makes sense when it's pointed out to you, but I think by this point, I'd already been, like, inundated with characters who were, like, all about being excesses of sin. I just took each of the individual clues as, like... Just, like, this is just what the way the, the world is, so... The story mm-hmm. is, yeah. yeah. One of my favorite moments is when um, uh, they're trying to figure out who kidnapped Zaid because your boy is just kind of floating there above the table in stasis. Yeah, I think as is my understanding, they think he is actually the successor. Incorrectly. They, do. They, they think he's the heir. Yeah. Okay. But, um, they're trying to figure out which one it is. And Gogagog is mocking each of the different, uh, demiurges in some way, accusing it of being them and modem just gets sick of it and goes perish gagagog's head explodes and then reforms into worms going i was working on that face <laughs> goggers in the chat everybody no <laughs> but yeah no uh jagannath does show up and uh he accuses modem of having sent the uh of having sent the angels the hit squad, which we find out did consist of angels who are following some anarchist philosophy called the Path of Thorns. Was that mentioned in what? Because I'm not going to lie. That that was mentioned in what okay. Chain's exposition dump. Yeah. OK, I, that's one of those cases where. And I'm not going to lie. That kind of gets dropped later on. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the problem. So Dude, my running theory so that much. the story doesn't care about its own lore continues <laughs> to be true. That is one of the few things that gets dropped later on, I will say. Jagannath has just crushed one of them in his grip and drops it on the table. And was like, hey, Modem, why did these things come to my territory through yours? Which is our hint that uh, planet Earth exists in Modem's seventh of the universe. Which, honestly, probably fitting. And all of them are starting to argue over who sent these Thorn Knights, not knowing that none of them did. (laughs) The Thorn Knights are just being assholes. When Jadis starts speaking the prophecy of the successor. And we get get our title drop. Mm -hmm. Uh, The prophecy of the successor is that the conquering king pushed from his throne or what. I I don't remember the entire thing. What I do know is that uh, the successor will come flanked by a white flame and a black flame. So angels of the cold white fire and demons of the and devils of the hot black fire. Because that had been previously established in, I think. Mm-hmm. The... That's the first exposition. It's about Yisun yeah. separates herself yeah. into the two. Into, yeah, the right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look on the giant cube that Jadis is in, there is a there are little pictographs. And indeed, it does show white chain and CO. 
around the around the vague figure of the successor, which I thought which I had actually not noticed until this read through. And I thought that was super cool. This is the kind of series that you want to read through multiple times because it almost feels like because like, you know, skipping ahead a little bit, definitely going to read more. I feel like I'm going to feel obligated to read the whole thing every time a new page comes out because <laughs> like it, it it's so dense. If that's what you're looking for, it is the it is the literal densest thing I've ever seen. I'd argue there are cases where it goes too far with that. Yeah. Um, and not even because it's like not even like the exposition stuff. There are some cases where as as great as the Kung Fu fighting was, there were some cases where it was hard to follow what was going on on the page because everything was so detailed. Yeah, that was that was by far the exception. But like my one complaint about Kill Six Billion Demons is the density. It is a neutron star. <laughs> But the prophecy ends with, and his name will be Kill Six Kill Billion, Billion Demons. Demons. Title drop. And it and it shows Allison's, you know, spirit standing there in the void. And interesting tidbit, right below the uh between the page and the liturgy on the actual like website version of it, uh, there is a piece of text that is the same color as the background. So you have to highlight it in order to see it. But if you highlight it and you follow it, uh I just oh my said, god. <laughs> I just put it in our Discord chat. You get this image of a very scarred person with a key in their head saying, don't wear it out, implying that that is what Kill Six Billion Demons will eventually look like. <laughs> is, that <sighs> Al- is that Allison in the future? Is that is that Zade? Is that so, both? I don't know. So hold on. Not only do we ha- have just the story by itself, which is incredibly dense, both... Um, Voca- uh, dialogue wise and art wise we have additional bible verses for each page and now we have secret hidden alternate text <laughs> I, I am so far out of my depth here <laughs> I feel like I had my summer reading assigned to me and I thought I was just supposed to read the table of contents <laughs> like, I, I want I want you I want everyone to be aware. Oh, Matt's probably just dumb. He just doesn't like dense, overly complicated things. No, I've read House of Leaves. I love House of Leaves. This is a different beast. <laughs> I, I lived with Matt for three years. I've known him for the better part of a decade. This isn't I can assure you. And and same with and same with Jacob. I've known him for years. I can assure you, none of the people in this conversation are stupid and unable to read into things. That this is just the nature just of this comic, dead. man. Yeah. I have got years of me reading this, which is why I know all this. Well, yeah. It's at this point that Allison returns to planet Earth. She wakes up in her bedroom in her sorority house. She's still got the, She's sword. Still got the sword. Yeah, <laughs> I like it's one of those cases where it's like as 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 big a jerks as all of her friends can be at time. Like, I don't think I don't think it's fair to say that they're all awful people or anything, but they can it, be jerks at times. Yeah, you know, they're, they're but like snotty. I like that they're. I like that they're all like, hey, can we talk about this sword? Where did this sword come from? <laughs> I want to talk about this. I think because Allison was missing for three days. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And they were concerned about her. I mean, they obviously think she went away with her boyfriend, which 
given the situation, yeah, it's not an insane thing to think. Yeah. Like, and also, I, I don't think her friends are bad people. I think Allison is a very meek, quiet person who's a little neurotic. And they she talk lets over, people, she yeah. lets people walk over her. And that's what happens. She's her, got her one best friend in the house that sticks yeah, up for her enough to get them to stop talking to her for a bit. Which is what she needs to recoup. But then that really just motivates her to go like, wait, no, maybe I, I can't let Zane die. Zade? Zade, I think. I can't let Zade die, even though he is a creep. And then everyone else. Yeah, Zade's a creep. Zade <laughs> is a creep. You were with him for three days. We didn't call the cops, but he is a creep. <laughs> so I'm not sure what the level of like playful ribbing to Zade is and how much he's just weird. <laughs> Yeah, it, I don't, I don't it, know either. How much of it is just Allison doesn't think she can do better? Yeah, uh, who knows? We don't uh, get we don't get anything on Zade really is what happens, yeah. despite the fact he is the motivating factor for her. He is the MacGuffin. Um, he is the princess in the tower. <laughs> well, uh, one thing we kind of neglected to mention earlier is the reason that Allison was able to understand the languages in Throne was that White Chain fed her blue devil liquor because devils have the power of tongues. And to answer your question, it is liquor from a blue devil. It made Allison grow horns for a while. She puked up the devil. She lost the horns. And if she wanted to retain the universal translator powers, she needed to eat the blue devil. Earlier on, one of the cases, one of the cases where, you know, people are just not respecting Allison as a person situation she starts to notice bumps on her head and she's like um what is that because like i loved the panel where like she's drinking the coffee and and he's talking oh, i've given you a universal translator and she plucks the thing out of the yeah <laughs> out of her the- coffee cup and the look on her face is just so re- like yeah i'd be there too <laughs> mm-hmm. um oh there are horns uh growing on your head don't worry they'll fall off like that's not an explanation. <laughs> That's not helpful. Allison, perhaps reasonably, has a bit of an identity crisis. She has had her eyes forcibly ripped open to see the immensity of her reality and how tiny she is in it. But she still kind of can't leave Zade there. <laughs> yeah, she has. And, and it is sort of the situation where it's like, her friends are trying to be friends, but she needs the time to collect herself after the experience she just had. Mm-hmm. Because, like, how do you comprehend such a thing? You don't. Instead, you resolve to deal with the problem. You pick up your sword. You concentrate on the magic stone in your head, and you go back to, and you go back to the, <laughs> into the friggin madhouse into the into the acid trip i i really like that part because that mirrors what we get with um uh 82 chains earlier on because she's sitting there watching i believe it's supposed to be like a disney princess movie or something is the implication yeah Uh, Yeah. um and like all her friends are there just talking over her giving her advice she didn't ask for and basically telling her how to live her life. and Which she, is a nicer version of what's been happening to her in the acid trip. But basically what, what we get to hear from her best friend is kind of, who's kind of like a weird voice of reason, who's just like, yeah, I, 
I remember the girl who would like really who was a little chubby, uh, really in the Sailor Moon. But I guess we lost her after all the trips to the gym and the hair dye. And we get to cut back to Allison's bathroom and you just notice like all the things she's done to like change herself. And she's had this like image crisis of who am I? And this is just another group of people telling her who she is when she finally goes, wait, no, I want to go save my boyfriend. I'm not just going to stay here where it's safe. Mm -hmm. And to some extent, I feel like the the comments about as AIDS kind of a creep because it's like. When she mentions that, it sounds like she's just par- parroting what her friend said. Does she really think that herself? The fact that everything is so vague about Zaid, I don't think Allison really knows who Zaid is because she's just been going through the motions. And like this she was very much we- going through the motions. At one point, she she's looking at her phone, and you know that in her calendar, it in like her calendar on her phone, she had scheduled getting it on with Zaid and losing quote her stupid virginity. Yeah. And, she was very much a person going through the motions. And like the surreal, ex- the surreal experience that she just had is the only real thing that she's done since like middle school. Mm-hmm. She just s- says, this is what I'm doing. There's nobody else in the scene. You know, it's like her, the one um, friend who's like closer to her than the others, um, you know, you know, gives her that, you know, pep talk of, you know, I remember who you used to. Be. I remember who you used to be. But like the thing that's sort of important is she goes to be alone to make a decision for herself. She says, I'm going to do this because it's what I want. I don't care if it's stupid. I don't care if it's crazy. I don't care if it's dangerous. It's my choice. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, steps through the metaphorical gate. And it really does feel like that's the point, like that moment is where the story really begins. A true king is a wielder of names, unshaped by the world, but shaping it with their actions. That's in the next book. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I really like Zoss's pep talks, all right? (laughs) Well... But, but then, then I, I understood that. we do get my favorite splash page, which is Allison teleporting into the middle of like a bar. Yeah, and a bar. it's just a whole bunch of crazy demons going like, who's ruining our good time? What are you doing? Because <laughs> we've seen like depths of sin and depravity, but like the location she's in in this splash panel is a bunch of like they're monsters, but they look like they're all like very casual and we're just hanging out. And now suddenly Allison is the weird thing interrupting their day. (laughs) Which, yeah, is a nice juxtaposition. I like that, too. Yeah, uh, the hero's journey uh, crossing the line into the unknown world sort of way. Actually, now that I mention that, the first book is almost a condensed hero's journey, except in reverse. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, it also works as the uh crossing the threshold step in the hero's journey as well which i like i mean if if we've learned anything about kill six billion demons or how dense it is i could see them doing cycles within cycles within cycles within cycles of the hero's journey gee it's almost like the universe is shaped like a wheel It's a spiral of madness. I love this comic so much. 
All right, but we have come to the end of book one, Kill Six Billion Demons. The next book is called Wielder of Names, so we can stop saying that freaking long-ass title. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be for the future. Uh, We've come to the discussion segment. Uh, So, favorite character. My favorite character, as I have said, is is C-O-C-A-C-O-L-A. Estrella von Maximus III, I think, is the rest of her name. Because the more names a devil has, the weaker they are. That's explained what? in book. <laughs> yeah, the, the more names the devil has, the weaker they are. Interesting. Yeah, that's explained early in book two. So yeah, you, you didn't need to know that. But I do love Sio. She is for being for being a very for being a devil, she is one of the most human characters. The most empathetic character, I would say. Mm-hmm. And like, of course, I love her for things that happen later in the series, but even just for this book, she is such a grounding force that is really needed. And <laughs> I love this comic, but even I was at the point of like, man, when is Allison going to do something? When is White Chain just going to shut the hell up? <laughs> oh, right, she never does that. Damn it. <laughs> oh, we didn't even get into the bit about White Chain's gender identity, but nah. that that seemed. That, that comes seemed like it was setting up for later because that was yeah, mentioned a, a couple of times, but they didn't really elaborate on it. Meaning it was never really clarified, which I think is obvious because I don't think any of us have used the same pronouns for them. Not e- not even internally. <laughs> yeah, I think it's mostly masculine and they don't want to be called female, mm-hmm. but like that, that's very clearly because this is one of those cases where you know, like if you're going into it and you're the type of person who wants to see a series set up things for later and then pay them off at some point in the future, because like I like that sort of thing. Oh boy, does this thing about white chain get paid off? <laughs> it's one of those cases where it's like, um, if you want something that's more straightforward, you're gonna know very quickly that this is not the series for you. <laughs> but yeah, we were discussing favorite characters. Right, uh, right. Jake, what was yours? Um, honestly, Allison, like, like she becomes the kind of shonen pro tag I love. She like obviously doesn't necessarily know how to fight yet, but like she's, you know, competent, confident because she doesn't do anything at first. I almost didn't feel like she was a character, but that's sort of the point of the way the story treats her. And I really liked seeing her, even though she's not physically done anything yet she's already come into her own and you kind of know she's gonna you know she's gonna make it she's gonna be okay she's gonna get through things and i sort of like that sort of like indomitable you know shonen hero Mm -hmm. and it was sort of interesting to see a character go from a background character in their own story to being the most main character main character you can have if you if you do intend to continue reading, you're going to love Allison even more <laughs> for just being an active protagonist. <laughs> um, Jay, I know you didn't like the comic very much, but did you have a favorite character in it? I would have to say the closest thing I had to a favorite character was Allison because she seemed just as miffed as I was <laughs> reading. <laughs> That's a lot character. of sympathy right there. Yeah, I, I gotta say I agree with uh, Jay here. My favorite character was specifically Allison because she allowed me to put myself in to like her viewpoint of when is 82 going to shut up? When am I going to be allowed to do anything? And when is this entire story not going to be feel 
felt like it's being fed to me on a conveyor belt because the entire first two and a half chapters is, hey, why are we going to do a thing? Shut up. You don't need to know that. I know better. We're going to go deal with this the way I know how. Oh, cool. Also have a bunch of lore dumps all at once. So you're more confused. Ah, good. I'm very confused. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Mission accomplished. Is my story going to start yet? Don't worry, the book ends right where it begins. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I get the feeling y'all will like, uh, if, if we do come back to revisit this, I get the feeling y'all will like um, Wielder of Names much more. It does really involve Allison going out and doing things. And does Allison make the best decisions? Almost never. But she does make decisions, and that is fun. So uh, any plot predictions going forward? Honestly, it's sort of the interesting thing where I feel like the... The world is really complex, but it to me, it seems like the the trajectory of this story is going to be the sort of like like sort of like how Hiroaka is a very paint by number shonen story where it's like, you know, this is going to happen, then that's going to happen. Like you can see the narrative progression from the start. I feel like it's going to be a matter of um, uh, people are going to try to uh, take the key from Allison and she's going to work her way up through bigger and bigger threats until she gets to the you know at incrementally gets to the shonen bosses of the seven demiurges um i the way that the the way that the world is built it's easy to bring in new shonen villains but this really does seem like it's going to be a story centered very directly and very specifically on the growth of allison as you know, to some extent, a warrior, but also like the idea of like, you know, being a king, uh, you know, taming the the world that is in chaos and her becoming, you know, more of the successor that, you know, role that had been dumped on her. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be royalty? Mm. I, I got to go in the opposite direction. I think Allison is going to immediately unlock the power in her head and super buster sword all seven demiurges and rescue uh uh zade one book there's only two books in kill six billion demons i'm making that prolot prediction (laughs) nobody tell him we're on book four out of five right now (laughs) look until we read it it's not true how do i know that book uh three and four and potentially five aren't prequels exactly you know what you got me there (laughs) you don't know that yeah uh book two is book two is the fast track and then uh uh three four and five is explaining the exposition dumps from chapter two okay who is lord intra again he's a sword twink okay Man, it's a shame Intra doesn't actually show up because I feel like he would have instantly become Jay's favorite character. <laughs> He's a pretty boy, really good with a sword. That is a that is a one thing about this. There was very few um, waifu and husbando options because. Um, Do you think- not stand Co? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just no. <laughs> I could do better than a blue masked demon. <laughs> Lowest of the low. It's the horns, isn't it? It'll never be the same without them. I believe that wraps up our episode. Thank you all for listening to the Over Manga Cast. Uh, remember to subscribe and leave your review of our show. Follow at Over Manga Cast on Twitter to find out what we're reading next. And uh, what we are reading next is a blast of the past. We are going back to My Hero Academia, which I feel will be a very refreshing change.
Yay. <laughs> As always, if you want to read along, we're doing pages 40 or chapters 45 <laughs> through nice. I mean, 69. And yeah, <laughs> we'll see you all next time. We're going from the densest possible thing to arguably the least dense thing. So uh, <laughs> we're going back. We are going back to the popcorn of shonen anime. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>